Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. I'm, of course, Nick Bomberger, along here with Chris Burke. Chris, week 17 has finally arrived. Thank in a year <laughs> In a year that we didn't know if we would get to week one, week eight, or week 17. In a way, it's bittersweet, but mostly, after watching what we saw on Saturday, uh, I think it's just sweet that it'll be over, because I'm not sure if I can watch much more of this. How we doing, Chris? Uh, hanging in here? Are your eyes done bleeding after this? Oh, man, that loss? was... I- I was going back through my notes, you know, I just keep my notes on my computer most games, like I'll jot some stuff down, but I keep like a, you know, as we're watching, I'll, I'll sort of go play by play on my computer mm-hmm. in case there's anything I want to go back to. And I was looking through them <laughs> last night as I was just sort of rewatching some moments from that game and yeah. I stopped taking notes when it was 20 to nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that was like a few minutes into the second quarter. I mean, right. there was still a lot of game left after that. So I, uh. Yeah, I kind of bailed on that one in the second half. That was pretty hard to watch. I I will say I think you're right. Like, it is there's something to be said. I know I know that uh you know the NFL is kind of there are people who kind of criticize how the NFL has gone about some right, of this. Right. Yeah. And uh, and rightly so in some But ways. it is impressive that here yeah. we are um you know it yes, looks like agree. we're going to get to the playoffs. Super Bowls, you know, what 6 weeks away and mm-hmm. uh you know, they said even on the Monday night football broadcast last night, like things are still on schedule. They've had to kind of jam some of this stuff in, including the Lions right. game on Saturday. But, uh, you know, it, it is it is kind of amazing that they've been able to pull this off uh, to the extent that they have. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I always try to keep that in perspective, I think, this year in particular, in that when we go back to like June and July. And when I say I don't know that I didn't know we were going to get to week one like that was real. We didn't know. You know, May, June, July, whether or not they'd even be able to start the season. They, you know, they kept saying they were going to be able to do it, and we just we're going to have to see it to believe it, sort of, sort of ways. So, you know, it happened, and that's you know a testament to everyone who worked through it in a lot of ways. When we talk to teams like you know the Lions and Matthew Stafford, and we'll talk about him quite a bit here in today's show. But you know, we talked to him yesterday about you know, and last week he was asked about shutting it down, and the answer every time has been no, you know, absolutely not. And I do wonder if that would be. I wonder sometimes if that answer would be different if this was just another year, but I mean, I feel like it has something to do with guys, you know, they know that this has been, you know, in the Lions especially, it's been not a year anyone wanted, not a good year, not an acceptable year, whatever else, but finishing the year and and sort of telling yourself that you were able to do it, I feel like for a lot of guys is probably still a motivating factor on some level, and I think I can understand that. Yeah, I actually was kind of curious if the teams that were out of the playoff race would just suddenly have outbreaks of COVID yeah, because yeah. guys just stopped caring as much about right. uh, yeah, we, I think we saw it in college COVID. a little yeah um and it it hasn't really happened that way I mean there's been little blips here and there and the Lions obviously had whatever went on with you know in, in their building but they other than not having their coaching staff for the game I mean they managed to keep that from being a full-blown outbreak thankfully and so yeah I mean I, I do think you're right I think that there's some uh, I think there's always a pride factor, and especially with Stafford. I mean, I, I don't know how many times he's had to answer over his 12 years. You know, ah, you really need yeah. to play week 17. And he, right. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I, you know, if I can play, yeah. I'm going to play. They're paying me to play. Um, but yeah, I think you're probably right. I think there is something to just getting through this season, and that would be a little bit of a badge of honor for these guys. But uh, at the same time, <laughs> to yeah. circle us back to week 16, uh, a lot of the Lions look pretty done with this thing <laughs> yeah 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 they, they, they were out there and giving it their all but you know this game 
in a weird way. Um, it was a weird game, obviously, to begin with, and everything about it was strange. But you know, it goes from you know a weird deal to well, this is just going to be a complete walking nightmare on like the second play of the game when Stafford hurts his ankle, uh, or the second offensive play of the game for the Lions anyway, when he hurts his ankle or foot or whatever it was, and it was didn't look like it was contact, just looked like he maybe stepped on something wrong on the ground or and was kind of fading away uh, as he was getting tackled there. But when he goes out of the game, Chris, I mean, we talked about this last year. We saw this last year for eight weeks. This goes from, like, maybe they have a chance to do something special because Stafford is Stafford to... Well, this is going to – how embarrassing can this get, I guess, is probably what it goes to, (laughs) and that's what that turned into. The offense was completely lifeless when Stafford gets taken off the field, and the defense is still the defense, which is just an abomination at this point. And when you look at the whole thing, obviously the coaching staff situation probably – you'd like to think that that game would have been closer if if the coaches were on the sideline. I assume it would have been. But how much closer? i got to tell you, I don't know, uh, because I think that a game like this – in a lot of ways, even though it's at the end of the year and guys are still trying to just hang on, I think that's it's a pretty telling game in terms of this roster was constructed very poorly in very many areas, and it's going to be a challenge uh, moving forward here for the Lions as they kind of enter into brand new territory. Yeah, I mean, I I think there is I think we need to at least mention the coaching situation because it was going to be difficult anyway. And you have you know Evan Rothstein calling defensive plays who's never really come anywhere yeah. close to that position in his career uh a research and analysis guy and now you know his assistant and so they throw him into the fire there and he's got a you know like the second and third string defensive guys against tom brady uh mm-hmm. and bruce arians who seemed seemed for a while there like bruce arians wanted to lay like yeah, 80 God. on him yeah, right. <laughs> that's true that was very uh, weird and so i mean i think that you know not that Corey unlin has done a great job Mm-hmm. As a defensive play caller, but I think it, just in terms of the adjustments and stuff, um, maybe you would have been in better shape there. And the same thing, you know, Sean Ryan, I think, is perfectly capable of being an offensive coordinator if someone wants to come hire him. But right. you're throwing him in. That's the first time he's calling plays. You lose, Like you said, you lose Stafford after the first series, and now you've got Chase Jan- Daniel, which, to your point about the roster construction, Chase Daniel got a $13 million contract 13 million. from Bob Quinn mm-hmm. in the offseason. He's still on the hook next year. You know, the last year of it, you basically can bail on, you know, just a little bit of a hit. But even if he's a June 1 cut next year, he's on the hook for $2.25 million in dead money. His yep. overall cap number next year is $5.3 million. I mean, this is an absurd contract for a backup right. quarterback, let alone we saw, you know, what Chase Daniel could do when he went in there. I, if Stafford can't play this week, I hope they start David Blau, frankly, just to mm. see. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh, the gap between what the Lions had on the field on Saturday and what the Bucks had on the field was ridiculous, especially when they were on defense. They just didn't have a yeah. prayer. I mean, there were guys wide open on every single play. <laughs> and as you mentioned in the press box, if Brady finished that game, I think they score 60 because Blaine no, Gabbert easily, was easily. – you know, they they just missed some shots in the second half. Yeah, it was you know the the Daniel thing is um, I get you know it's disappointing I suppose on 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 the sense of you know like you said the contract is the contract but it's not it's not surprising I don't think like he you know there's really nothing in Chase Daniel's career I mean we talked about it all the time we talk about it all the time and it comes up every time his name gets mentioned all the money he sort of paid for being a good <laughs> being a good teammate and a good guy and everything else but like. 
I mean, you know, it's never been a situation where he's come in and been anything other than kind of what we saw, which is, all right, well, this game's over and we need to finish it. So can you go out there and finish it? We really don't care if we win either way, but that's, <laughs> that's sort right. of Chase Daniels' presence on this team, and it's not a solution. It's not a solution. I mean, the drop-off is just insane when Stafford comes out of the game, and obviously it's going to be uh, in that scenario, but there's no... And we've talked about this all year and even last year. There's no long-term backup solution plan here. Obviously, something with the quarterback situation is going to have to get addressed, whether it be Stafford's whole thing. We've talked about that before. Or, you know, at very least, investing into a younger younger player and letting him be the backup. I don't know what you want to do if you want to build around Stafford. One way or the other, though, that, you know, that situation is not working. Uh, I, I can say, We can say that other teams have much better... Uh, answers at backup quarterback when somebody goes out and you come in, the game's just over. But when you flip it to the other side, though, and that's why this thing looks much more difficult for the Lions, because defensively it wasn't um, it wasn't a bunch of guys who are like, you know, who's this guy? Where'd he come from? Some, yeah, like Tremaine, or, uh, yeah, Tremaine Brock got picked on quite a bit. But Justin Coleman, here we go again. If I look up the uh, PFF numbers, two touchdowns allowed. Tracy Walker, two touchdowns allowed. Five of six for 76 against Coleman, three of three again against Walker. You know, I mean, like, these are things Tavai and Davis got picked on. I think Davis gave up a touchdown again. I mean, Harris got picked on. You know, these are these are guys that we've seen all year that were supposed to be starters, that were starters, that, you know, some of them have dealt with injuries and whatnot. But, well, I mean, we look at the very beginning of the game, Chris. I mean, the first, the first series, I think it was, Brady goes right down the field, they get to the 30, and they they spread it out wide. They basically just say, okay, well, we're going to run Gronk to the pylon, and uh, the minute I see him on Walker, I'm just throwing it to the pylon. And he just muscles through him and scores a touchdown. And you're like, well, that's that's how this is going to go, and that's exactly how it went. And you look for answers on the defensive side, and you're just like, I can't find any, because this would have been a game for somebody like Walker to sort of step up and be like, I'm going to make plays today. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to surprise you. And he didn't. Nobody did. And it was just this listless defensive thing where I'm like, this isn't play calling. This isn't Evan Rothstein's fault that these guys are missing tackles and not even close, right? There's no way. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that Bruce Arians and um, and uh, why am I blanking on Brian Leftwich's Byron Leftwich's name? You know, Brian Leftwich. I'm sure that they had an impact in this game, but more or less overall, I think this was you know basically personnel problems that you know are going to have to change at some point here. Yeah, I mean, they were down. Obviously, there's guys missing that you want in that lineup. The Desmond Trufant's been uh, hurt all year, basically. You know, they've been in without Okuda for a while. Jamie right. Collins was out. Uh, Hand and Flowers and Shelton. I mean, you're you're down a bunch of guys that at least at the start of the year were going to be first teamers for you. And I think in you know Flowers is the guy they certainly, as we've seen, there's no one to really replace Trey Flowers. Uh, when he goes out of the lineup, so that they were missing some key pieces, you know, yeah. they were kind of piecing it together. But yeah, to your point, Justin Coleman is one of those guys who was supposed to be a big piece. Tracy Walker, Duran Harmon, um, the Davis Tavai thing at linebacker mm. is just awful, man. Yeah, I just bad. don't even know. Jelani Tavai went from a guy at the start of the year where he was going to step in and, and basically push Jared Davis to the bench and be a starter alongside Jamie Collins, and now I don't know that you can bring him back next year, even on his rookie mm. deal, because he's mm. been that bad this year. Yeah, terrible. And getting juked by a guy like Leonard Fournette should not be juking you. In the, <laughs> I don't even know if he's he tried got to cut against play. people yeah, right. <laughs> in the past, <laughs> and he gets Davis and Tavai on the same play yeah. in the red zone. I mean, they're just... 
unusable basically. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that, that, that it maybe doesn't speak to how bad the starting lineup is because again, you had the entries, but I think it definitely speaks to where the depth is and sort of the challenges of uh, trying to rebuild this thing. Cause you do need, I mean, I think you have to replace Coleman's one of those guys we've talked about already. Right. His contract for next year is big. Mm-hmm. The, Performance certainly is not just measured not up just not there, yeah. uh, to what the contract is. So you start looking at some of these guys and wondering how you're, you know, how you're going to get Romeo Okoro resigned and how you're going to fill out the linebacking core when you're already paying Jamie Collins a ton of money and you basically need at least two starters uh, at cornerback. If we're talking about you know the nickel being your starting cornerback package, I mean you don't have a nickel corner, you don't have an outside corner. I mean it, this is a mess, and yeah, and I think uh, you know we've hit on that a lot throughout the year. But that Bucks game really, um, you know, everyone always talks about effort in games like that. Oh, it looks like they're not trying anymore, and I again, right. I just don't. I mean, there might have been some of that. Maybe they just, you know, when it's twenty nothing and you're five and nine, say, all right, well, we're we're going to lose again, and you probably let your guard down a little bit. But I think, I mean, I think guys are still trying. I just think that this is just what it is. They're just way, they were didn't have a chance against that def, against that Tampa Bay offense because Tampa Bay's got better pieces on its offense than the Lions have on defense. Oh yeah, all the way. I mean, like when we go down the list and you just, I mean, just go down it and look at it, right? Like you mentioned it. You know, Flowers will be here and is a guy you're going to count on one way or the other, no matter what. He's hurt. So you count him in. Aquara, you'd like to get signed. Uh, I don't think you're going to have to. I don't think you can get out of Collins' deal. So he's pretty much going to be here. And I think that's basically fine. You know, when we're looking at guys who are usable, Awarie is going to be part of this. Julian Aquara is going to be part of this. And then, you know, I would like to say the same about Tracy Walker, John Penasini, obviously Okuda. But, like, how many more guys can we point to right here and say, like, they have to be part of this defense or can, or is the question of, like, can you get out of this deal? Because I just feel like there's so much to sort through. They already released uh, J-Ron Curse, uh, what, yesterday, I believe, to, to make sure they can get some younger guys in there and get a better look at them, obviously, going forward. But, like, there's a lot of that on this uh, how, overall turnover, Chris. If we're having to estimate it right now, do you feel like – and I, this is hard to do because there's not a coach – but like, I feel like it's got to be a lot. I feel like it's got to be pretty sizable, and that might end up, you know, eating into some some money here too. I, I don't. I just. It's hard for me to get a wrap my head around what this is maybe going to look like um, because there's going to be some instances of guys that you're probably just going to have to bring back, even though they're struggling, even if they're because their contract might just be in a in a situation where you're like, what are we supposed to do? We have to just eat it for another year and just deal with it, right? I mean, like, it's going to be an interesting scenario to see how this sort of shuffles out. Well, the curse thing, just not not to get too deep into this. Sure. The curse thing doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me in the first place. Well, um, yeah, I, fair I, I guess if you're, yeah. I guess if something happened that we don't know about, you know, you understand that. Or if you're, maybe you're trying to do him a favor, but at that point, yeah. uh, you know, why aren't you releasing Duran Harmon to let him go get on a playoff team? Or you know, why aren't you doing everyone favors? Right. If you want yeah. to play your young guys, I mean, you're already playing Walker. And uh, Harris, Bobby Price has been up. I mean, are you calling up Jalen Elliott? Like, I just play him. Put right. Kenny Galladay on right. IR for a week. Like, That's I don't understand yeah. the need to free up a specific roster spot at safety here to make sure these guys are on the field. Like, just don't play J. Ron Curse. I mean, I'm sure right. you're going to up. <laughs> I'm sure you're going to end up signing uh, a bunch of guys this offseason anyway. So the, the you know the compensatory pick formula is probably not going to come into play, but. 
you just eliminated any possibility of that with curse. And I don't, you know, who's, who needs to see these guys for the future? Who is yeah, like, like <laughs> Corey Unlin needs to see more of Will Harris for, I don't understand. Anyway, that's yeah. just, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but um, yeah, I did. I don't think it's a long list. I mean, I think Austin Bryant's on there. I think maybe Julian yeah. Okora's on there. Like you hope some of these young guys, especially because uh, we don't know what the cap's going to be. You know, if Stafford's back, he's got a big hit. If you're re-signing Galladay, that's big. You know, if you're re-signing Okora, that's another big number. Mm-hmm. Um, Collins, Flowers, you've got some big numbers on this team. And so it would be great if Bryant and Julian Okora and I guess Tavai and Okuda, all these guys who are on rookie deals, yeah. could come in and help you because that would save you needing to go find someone in free agency. But, uh, yeah, I just don't know. And I, it really does – it's really – other than Okwara, again, to just go back to how this roster has been built, I, there's not really a guy that the Lions went out and – I mean, I guess maybe Trey Flowers you put in that category, but a lot of these additions by the previous regime have not hit. I mean, I guess Everson yeah. Griffin you give him some credit for, but now you don't have a fifth or sixth round pick next right. year. Right, yeah, is it worth um, it, yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I mean, I think this needs to be – and I, I think this needs to be a – pretty big rebuild on defense and i think that's also why someone mentioned it to me on twitter uh tuesday morning you know there's sort of the way the nfl goes is when you have a defensive-minded head coach and he fails the next hire is usually an offensive-minded head coach and vice versa but right the defense is such a mess right now i think you could justify hiring a defensive-minded head coach uh and trying to rebuild Uh, there i'm i'm along the lines of um like what Cynthia Freeland said, I think she was on, or one of the, who was, or Amy Trask, sorry, not, sorry to mix those two up. When she said, you know, if you want a guy, if you really like a guy, you fall in love with a guy, just go get him. You know, forget what side of the ball it's on. I get that rotating thing back and forth where it goes back and forth. But, you know, in this case, you know, I, I think that that would be, you know, I've come around to the idea of if you really like somebody like Robert Sully and you think you can, you know, find somebody to run an offense that way, fine. But because overall, really what needs to happen here, and you kind of said it, is the general manager hire uh, and his scouting department that is going to get built here needs to be the the entity that fixes this defense. Because I think that that's probably the, the only way it's going to happen is by making proper draft picks and then shuffling things out, you know, as you can go. And I, I just don't see this as a short-term uh, situation or a short-term improvement. I mean, like short-term, you try to think about like, what would, what would this look like? Like say, for example, if they, the next regime comes in, they say, we're going to build around Stafford. We're not trading him. Um, we're going to keep him. Maybe we draft a young quarterback. Maybe we don't. I don't know. But we want to try to get you know what we can around him offensively to see if we can get respectability. And that would be that would mean your defense is going to have to move from dead last and pretty much everything that matters to maybe middle of the pack. And I try to think about what would it take for them to get to middle of the pack. And it's still the same thing, right? It's like they're going to need at least one new starting corner um, at le- who can play like a good one. <laughs> They're going to need at least <laughs> at least one, probably two new bodies inside up front. Uh, and again, I mean, I got it. And you said it earlier at the top. This is somebody I wanted to talk about. Like the linebackers here, I, I think it's a safe bet now that, you know, Jared Davis probably no matter what is, is done here um, to Vi, is it time to throw in the towel on him? I, you know, I don't know. It's only, it's year two, but this is year, this is worse than year one considerably in a lot of areas. And when we're talking about these sort of slides here, 
I don't know. It's not like he's not playing. He's get, he's gotten a lot of snaps. You know, I don't think you can make a move on Collins. I think you have to sit with him. So realistically, like, you know, what are, who are some of the guys that you just maybe you have to grit your teeth and see, well, maybe we can develop them and see if we can grind through it. And, and are there some that you just have to say, okay, forget it. We got to move on because this is just, I can't play this guy. And I think that there's some of those questions are starting to bubble up too. Did we... I guess, did we misread this defense heading into the year? Like, did you I don't think, think so. it was going to be this no. bad? Yeah, I thought I thought it would be bad. I thought I thought it would have had a chance to be more disciplined in terms of uh, less mistakes. But when the pandemic sort of took hold, because uh, like if you asked me in January, that would have been my sort of like I thought in January. Okay, so they shuffle in some other guys that you know have worked with Patricia before. They are on the same wavelength mentally. I thought that would help. I thought Deron Harmon, Jamie Collins, guys like that. And in some ways, I think it kind of did. In some ways, it you know because I think that they, when they were healthy, maybe you could see it in there if you squinted that maybe it would have been incrementally better. But you know, without time to prepare uh, and everything else, the talent level was so low that there was just no way this was going to be anything other than the best case scenario would have been like maybe average, right? Like I think that would have been, and that would have been enough to maybe get them flirting with playoffs if Stafford had a great year. But otherwise, that was the that felt like the plan to me from from them. Yeah. Like that was what yeah. I tried to think about all year: is what what was your plan here? And when I looked back at it, back when we were doing you know going through free agency stuff, it just seemed to me that. I think we probably talked about this. That they're just trying to get less headaches on the roster in here, guys that they can work with and aren't going to give them problems, and then just figure out if the offense can sort of catch up and, it, and you know, or at least explode with Stafford or something, and it just never worked out. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, you look at all the questions we had. You know, the, can the, this needs to go one or two ways. Either this guy's going to work out and it's going to be a huge boost or yeah. he's not really going to fit here and it's going to be a problem. They haven't really had any fall on the positive side of the no, ledger. No, I mean, they took Deron Harmon from, you know, his uh, was in a really good role for him in mm-hmm. New England as like their, you know, third safety basically and a guy that played in the in crunch time and made him a hundred percent of snaps yeah. defender. And Most he's ever played in the season. It hasn't yep. really worked. And, you know, I think he's been fine in stretches, but certainly not a huge impact guy back there. And Jamie Collins, you wondered, well, what's this going to look like when he left New England last time? It wasn't great. And now mm-hmm. you bring him in here. Maybe it'll work because it's the same system. And you put him next to uh, two, three guy linebackers who are borderline incompetent <laughs> in this yeah. scheme uh, and behind an, a defensive line that's not all that good. And, We've seen those ebbs and flows. He's had some splash plays here or there, but he certainly has not been great this season. Uh, you know, you needed Trufant to stay healthy. He hasn't stayed healthy. Uh, you needed Nick Williams right. to be what he was last year when he was a really impactful pass rusher on the interior for Chicago, and he's done nothing as a pass rusher this mm-hmm. year. Uh, so all these little things where you said, all right, this if this signing goes well, you bump a little, and these incremental steps forward – and none of it has happened. And so you're back to really be past where you were last year. You've really slid past where you were yeah, yeah. in 2019 because uh, you just haven't had enough progress from the young guys either. So you're sort of stuck now. And I think this is going to be uh, – we know they're going to have to make some changes, but I think even coming in and trying to uh, evaluate a lot of these guys is going to be difficult because you're looking at them – in a a scheme that you're probably not going to be playing and yeah 
for coaches who didn't really put him in very good positions. I mean, how much of this year can you really judge uh, like Oruwariye on or, you know, some of these guys who are just playing because there's no one else who can play? And <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, it's, that's it's going to be o- tough. Okuda is a hard one for me. Like, how, what are we? What are we to make of? You know, a guy like him. Like his year was sort of sabotaged in a way. You know, sort of it was in a way due to injuries and COVID as a rookie. But at the same time, like there were some issues with his game that seemed to persist all the way to the end. Maybe that maybe that's an injury thing, and he can get surgery and get everything repaired and be ready to go but like tracy walker that this has been a rough one for him and maybe like that's another one to your point of like new scheme new approach new fresh start you know whatever but i i guess with some of that stuff i just you know if you didn't like patricia if i get it if you hated him i get it (laughs) if you just couldn't stand him i get it but this is the nfl this is not Purdue, okay? Like, there's no transfer portal. There's no running away. You're being paid. Like, at some point, it has to stop being the coach's fault, right? Like, that's what was kind of ringing in my mind as we're watching Tom Brady and Gabbert run up and down the field and just, (laughs) like, it was a Madden game. And you're like, this is not Matt Patricia's fault, okay? This is, And I'm not sitting here trying to, like, turn this into, like, the defense of Matt Patricia or why he should have been brought back because obviously he needed to be fired. But, like... A lot of this stuff is player fault. Like, some of the stuff that Patricia got criticized for, a lot of the stuff Patricia got criticized for, was asking some guys on this team to perform tasks they are athletically incapable of performing. Like, we talked about this a lot. They're leaving guys on islands they can't hold up in. If you're in another defense in another roster, those guys probably can't hold up. They're just not good. They just have... It's a bad team, athletically, defensively. It just is. They just don't have enough speed anywhere. They don't have anybody that can like just change a game by themselves. We talked about that a bunch. There's nobody to scheme against. There's nobody that you have to like worry about. Nobody. There's no, it's, it's the contrary. It's you've got, again, you've got Tom Brady walking up to the line of scrimmage, licking his chops, looking out there, seeing Tavai Davis and Will Harris on the field at the same time and Tracy Walker. And he's not scared of him either. So it's like, how is this going to go any other way? And that's the scariest part here because, when you look at them moving forward, there is no easy, there is no easy like, well, here's the plan for the next GM. This is X, Y, A, B, and C have to get done. You do that, and this is going to look a lot better, and it's going to start setting up for whatever. It's going to be really sort of fascinating because, and that was what I wanted to talk about today too a little bit, Chris, was I don't know when this is over on Monday next week when the whole thing starts new, basically. Um, and I'm not saying that they're going to have a guy hired by Monday next week, but like when it starts and the, and the page turns, like, I don't even know what first order of business after the hire is. What do you do here? Like, where do you start? Like, that's sort of been kind of kicking around in my brain here. Like, I'm not even like, do you just scrap the defense, start over there? I don't know. Like, that's sort of the thing for me is like, what's the starting point here? When you, when you're Rod Wood and you're Sheila Ford hand, you're bringing guys in, you're interviewing them. Like <laughs> when your question is like, where would you begin? And I, I don't know where that, what the answer is there. I don't know if there's a couple, but you know, I'm curious on your thoughts on that one. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, and I, I think that maybe this is something we, you and I can take a look at yeah. when we have a little more time in the off season. but it, it is kind of fascinating to watch, you know, uh, Mike Vrabel in Tennessee running kind of similar concepts to what the Lions would like to run. Yeah, or you yeah. look at, you know, Miami as a team that we talked about, are you going to do a full reset? They 
basically did it in a in a hurry and now they're you know in playoff position with one of the best defenses in the league and their yeah. defensive coordinators of the Patriots old cornerbacks coach and their head coach is you know was the Patriots right. defensive coordinator and so you kind of wonder like at least I wonder how much of this and again, that's what we've been talking about, I guess, this whole time. But like, how much of this, just all the pieces, really this bad, or was the coaching just so disastrously poor over the past three years that right. there never was a chance for anyone to look good? I guess, um, other than Romeo Cuora somehow. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think that that's, yeah. I mean, I think you've got to figure out how many. I, I think you need to look at the defense. Uh, obviously, that's got to be. I don't know if it's first order of business, but I think you've got to look at that defense and figure out how many of the 20, 25 guys who have been playing regular snaps are viable outside of mm-hmm. whatever this system was supposed to look like. And that's going to be, you know, that's not a 24 hour discussion. That's a, <laughs> that's yeah, a pretty yeah. long ranging uh, look at things. I think you're going to get stuck with some of those guys either by contract like Collins or just because you have to keep someone on this roster. You can't reset the entire thing. So right. I think you're going to see some of these guys back just to see if you can kind of salvage it. Um, and so to me, you either start there or you start at quarterback, frankly, uh, with Stafford. And that's beyond all the all the staffing challenges that you're going to run into. Because I think, you know, if you hire Robert Sala, say, you've got to get a really good offensive coordinator in there, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any question there. And then vice versa. If you hire an offensive-minded coach, you've got to get a really good defensive coordinator. And it's probably even more pressure if you go that way because of the challenges on this defense. So, uh, But you've also got to look at, you know, are you just blowing up the front office entirely? Like, is anyone coming back mm-hmm. at any level of this organization <laughs> next year? I mean, I think that that's a... Yeah. Question too. And I don't know that you can say, I mean, it sounds like there's a few people that have probably solidified themselves in that, in their roles, but I, I don't know, man. I just don't, where would you start? Like, do you think we've kind of talked about Stafford before? Like, do you have to figure out quarterback before yeah. you figure out any yeah. of it? I think that Stafford has to be the first thing you do because I think it's contingent on like everything would hinge. Like, if, cause if you tried to, if you saw, if you, and maybe this is a five minute conversation and it's over. Right. But it, I think it would have to be the first thing you talk about because if you do trade him, then, you know, what are you going to do with those picks? And obviously that's the whole goal, right? Is you're trading him, which means you're trying to, you know, take those draft picks and then, and then re- just restart on young players, probably on de- the defensive side. I would assume that would be, if you're going to take Stafford, trade him, it would be, we have to reinvest this on the other side of the ball and sort of balance this thing out a little bit. His contract has been uh, very large and they've had to work around it. Um, you know, in that way, in that sense, if, if you were to move on from that and get a little cheaper there, maybe somehow, maybe at least in the immediate, I don't know. I don't know what that would look like, but I would think that that would have to be number one. And if the answer is no, okay, well then you move on and you figure out, you know, no, we're no, as in we're going to keep and build around him. Then you figure out, you know, what you want to do in that sense. But either way, I think that your path the first fork in the road is Stafford. Like, what are you going to do with him? And if that's a several day conversation between coach and GM, or if that's a tet, like you know, Lewis Riddick last week, right, said, you know, if if, I, if I'm, I think he pretty much said this, right? Like, if I'm getting the Lions' job, I'm keep, we're, I'm keeping Stafford, and <laughs> yeah, we're going to build around much. Stafford. So, if it's somebody like Lewis Riddick, maybe that's a five minute conversation, and then he's got a plan for here's what I want to attack X, Y, and Z, and here's where we need to get better immediately. And I think that's what you're looking at, right? It's if it's not Stafford, and if he's here, 
then what are the places on this team that need immediate help to just be, you know, not in a position to where you're getting clowned 47 to 7 ever again, right? So, and I, I would say, you know, a longer term solution at quarterback and starting to think about that is probably toward the top of the list. I don't know if that's number one, though. And that's going to be the fascinating question. If you keep Stafford, and we talked about this a little bit yesterday, like if uh, in Dane's mock draft, you know, he had Justin Fields drop into seven. Like if you keep Stafford and Justin Fields is sitting there at seven, is there even a debate or is there is there a debate? Like maybe you say, okay, well, we just established like we are slow as hell and out of whack uh, in the middle of our defense. If Micah Parsons is there, we have to draft him. Or you say, we have no corners on this team other than, other than, you know, Awarie and we hope Okuda. So if you're sitting there at seven or six and one of these guys falls, do you do that again? I don't I don't know. But like those are the questions that you're sort of having to uh weigh out, I think, is where do you need the most immediate help? And knowing that maybe that doesn't mean you're gonna get immediate help, but where can you take a premium player uh that's gonna let this defense sort of grow together and become something that's maybe in two or three years, we look back and say, you know, whereas Miami had all those draft picks, and obviously I think that probably expedited that, but there's a way I think you can do this through the draft to where you look at it and you say you keep pieces like, if you can keep Romeo Quara here signed, you can keep, um, you know, Amani and you get, you know, Flowers, because you know you're going to get everything out of him for as long as he's here. Julian O'Quara, maybe he hits. And then maybe you start adding a few guys here and there, and then suddenly you look up and you say, okay, well, this is a respectable youngish group that we're not trying to ask to do a ton, but they're playing hard and they're playing fast and they're being disciplined, and now we can realistically wrap our head around a defense that's not an embarrassment. I think that's where you would start, but at the same time, a lot of this then flips to the other side and saying, like, where's where's the future of the offense go? Because... You know, the Stafford question is a pretty big deal. Uh, you know, if he's back, how long How long is he back? I mean, this is now, It's obviously I know it's week 17 in an NFL season, but he's dealing with an ankle, a rib, and a thumb. Okay, like this is the third straight year. He's, if he finishes the year, he'll finish the year, but this is the third straight year there's been pretty serious injuries on, on his plate. He's not 29, he's not 25, he's 32, 33, so... You know, how long is he back for? And I think that's also probably part of the question. But to me, I guess it's probably starting in the middle and the back of your defense. And then uh, once you figure out what you want to do with quarterback, but I don't know. I don't know. That, I don't know if that's the right answer either. I mean, that first round pick, Chris, I, I don't know what to, I don't know how the board's yeah. going to shake out, obviously, but I really don't know where to go if if I'm in that chair right now. Uh, it's, it's kind of a difficult uh, thing. I, I guess you got to wait and see, but it's not easy, I don't think. Yeah. And, you know, I mentioned, um, our little mini round table we did together about some of the GM uh, candidates that I don't know that really anyone involved with this is going to have the stomach to go full rebuild. Mm. Like, I don't get the sense Chris Spielman's yeah. coming in here and tearing this down and doing a five to 10 year reset. I just mm -hmm. don't get that vibe. They've just gone through three horrible years where they thought they were going to be competitive and were terrible. And now they're maybe picking top five back-to-back -back seasons. I yep. just don't know that they're going to have the mindset uh, and the stomach for what it would take to rebuild. They don't have the draft capital to go do it. So that unless you're true. somehow picking yeah. up five or six more draft picks this year, you're in a pretty tough spot. And maybe Stafford brings you back a couple of those. But um, I, I mean, I think there are ways to kind of, 
piece it together for a season and be competitive or semi-competitive if you're going to have Stafford back and you can figure out the wide receiver position. You know, I tweeted out, retweeted a a story from uh, NBC Sports Bay Area there, Matt Mayoko, um, mm-hmm. uh quoted Dante Whitner, who used to play for the 49ers, saying if, you know, Robert yeah, Sala gets that, yeah. hired, he should bring... <laughs> Three guys. Three guys with him, which is Nickelback, Kwan Williams, safety to Quiskey Tart, and cornerback uh, Akella Weathers- Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Three guys who are probably going to be pretty cheap and probably would start for the Lions I immediately. Say, yeah, <laughs> so right. I think there are ways to kind of do this, but I mean, just in general, and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but like if you say you were interviewing for a GM job right now, like it, do you think it's possible? to to build the build a team back up build a defense back up without using the draft like how much no. do the lions need to lean on i mean cuz if you go through the draft there's just sort of a natural rebuilding phase you have right. to go through anyway like if you're going to draft you use four of these five picks you have this year or you get a couple extra ones you use five six seven picks on defense and you're expecting three of those guys to be starters by year 2 You've got to build in some runway there. It's same yeah. thing with Okuda this year. Like it would have been nice if he would have been a lockdown guy week one, right, but you right, sort right. of knew it wasn't going to happen that way. So, can yeah. you do this through the draft? Can you do it in some combination? Do you have to go spend eighty million in free agency? Like, what is the actual way forward here? I feel like it's the draft. I, I, I mean, I think that you're going to have to really. The hard part is, is you need guys like Jamie Collins. Uh, who you've given those, you know, sort of deals to as you know to come in here and be veteran presences to sort and True Font would be another one to come in here and be veterans and sort of help young guys catch up, and then they kind of meld together. I mean, you need those guys to be better than than they've been. I mean, Collins I think has been solid, um, you know, and he's not one that I would be like, oh God, I can't believe they have to bring Jamie Collins. You know, like I, I think that that would be fine <laughs> right. if they could. Yeah. If they could get a really good, young, fast, explosive, you know, like really good young football player to put next to Jamie Collins, I think that could be fun. I think that could be something that maybe, you know, you could say Jamie Collins is going to help the young kid who's a really good young player. Maybe that young player invigorates Jamie Collins and maybe you got something going, right? You never know. Like those are things that I could, that I, I think need to happen. But you look at the, you look at the board here and you say, okay, I can buy that with Collins. Like, is Trufant going to be in a position to help you as a as a as a you know starting corner that's somewhat respectable in a lockdown situation? Maybe, but you know he was hurt all year. It didn't happen when he wasn't hurt, so I don't know about that either. And that's like some of the things. So I I think that it's got to be built around the draft. You can't have that many misses, obviously. But it's I, I to your point, it, it does have to work both ways. And that some of the guys that you've gone out and given money to, you know are going to have to perform better than they have. And some of these contracts, you're not going to be able to get out of all of them. So some of them are going to have to perform better than they have. But no, I, I just, I think that the base of what has to happen here, you know, because you're starting with defensively, especially it's, it's, it's just really bad. And I just think it has to get younger and faster and, you know, probably more competitive in, in some ways too. Um, I don't know how that looks or how that works, but, you know, I'm not saying you got to go out there and, and spend every draft pick you have on defense, but like, uh, I mean, at the same time, I think that, yeah, I mean, the, the question of is it time to start accumulating draft picks 
and reinvesting them and doing this properly um, while maintaining, you know, pieces of what you have around there and, and trying to be respectable along the way. I don't know if that can work, but you, know, you talk about not having the stomach. I, I just, it's, it's a great question and it's an interesting one because I just don't know how you look at this situation and honestly tell yourself that it's not going to be like a three-year, at least a three-year like process. I mean, I just, I, I just don't see an easy shorter-term solution here barring them kind of getting lucky uh, in some cases, I guess. But and maybe that can happen, but I just, I'm, I don't know. I can't squint that hard, Chris, because it's like I mean, there's not <laughs> enough guys – I feel yeah. like defensively, they're going to be there because the formula would have to be, again, your offense would have to, Stafford would have to be healthy, Galladay would have to be back, uh, the offensive line would have to hit the way that we think is possible, uh, Swift would have to be healthy, you'd have to have a better number two with him, and the <laughs> offense would have to be awesome. It'd have to be top three, and the defense would have to be like top 17, 18, and I don't know if that's realistic. Yeah, that's all. I mean, that's you know, that's <laughs> that's, that's what you're looking at to get this thing to get this uh, thing to the playoffs in like two years or something like that or or whatever. It would have to be your offense is going to have to be awesome, and your defense is going to have to be like average. And I just don't know if that's in the cards here. Yeah, and I guess that's the thing I'm trying to process, and have I really have been trying to process throughout the Patricia era too, is just how realistic is it to take a defense from you know bottom. Yeah. Not even even bottom third would be an optimistic view of where this defense is. Bottom, right? Thirty. Like, I mean, they're they're bad. That's a terrible defense. So I, to even get to like slightly below average would be a step up. And I guess that's what I'm trying to figure out is if you, you know, hypothetically, I don't want to get stuck on Robert Sala because we're yeah. I don't want to talk about him like he's the guy. But let, hypothetically, you hire Robert Sala who plays. You know, a lot of four-man fronts, mm-hmm. plays a lot of cover three, like some press yes. defense. Um, you basically need you need an impact guy or two up front. You definitely need an impact guy, defensive tackle. You really need – I mean, he's got Fred Warner at linebacker. You need that type of guy mm-hmm. at linebacker yep. who's just going to cover everything. everything. Yeah, right. um, can you find two or three of those guys in one offseason? Maybe. Uh, I mean, if you go yeah. into this offseason and you get Deshaun Hand fully healthy for the first time in his career and you draft Micah Parsons and you sign, you know, one pass rushing defensive tackle, maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, like you said, I think you've got to get lucky. I think you've got to hit basically every draft pick the first two years you're in there. Uh, and some of these young guys, again, uh, you're not starting over. You're not taking all 11 starters off the board and saying, we need to fill every single one of these pieces. You need some of these young guys to come back, no matter who the coach is, Mm -hmm. you know, Austin Bryant maybe needs to be a starter for you next year. Um, yeah, time to go for him for sure. And hand needs to stay healthy and Okuda needs to be a lot better. Like you're going to need some of these guys to come back and play a role for you. So I guess that's the thing. I've been trying to figure out in my head is just, you know, because people keep asking, you know, how how much better can this thing be next year? And I I think that's the hardest thing to figure because I think you can see where the offense, if you get Stafford back, you maybe you draft a receiver too. We've talked about the offensive line looking like it could be pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could see that unit being one that can carry you to some yeah. wins. But yeah. I don't know how you get there on defense without just – having every single move you make this offseason click by September. 
that's it. I mean, you're going to have to you're going to have to be better in those scenarios and where you and I think that and I think you can be because when we flip this around and look at what Bob Quinn was doing in the last couple of years, like uh, it's a reasonable ask to be better than that. Like the additions <laughs> he made were by and large all disasters. Like there were very few. Uh, you know, most of them have not worked out. So it's not impossible to suggest that your batting average will be better than that. But yeah, no, you're going to need. And and I do think that there's something to be said about. This isn't. This should be looked at. I think if you're a young coach or or just an incoming coach, if you're especially if you're a defensive coach, and you want this job like Robert Solly, this is an opportunity uh, to you know invest in some younger guys. You got some younger guys already on this team. Tell those younger guys like, look, this is going to be your your group. Like you're coming in here to change something. I think that still motivates people. I think that's still something that people can get behind. You get fresh life in there. You get fresh blood. Somebody that guys want to work for, or grind for, all those things, like you said. I mean, that seems to be the case with someone like that. Um, but no, I mean, but bottom line, all that stuff is great and nice. But like you said, if you're going to come in here and say we're going to play cover three and be, you know, more and be heavier up front, well, then you have to rebuild your entire front seven. And if you're going to play cover three, that means you are going to have to have two or three corners who can hold up and be like grown adults out there by themselves. And I know the cover three is not exactly on an island, but they still have to play, you know, some of that's, you know, that's that you're asking a lot uh, of, of these guys at the same time. So you're going to have to be better there too. So it's kind of across the board and there is no really easy one place to start. I think it's just about, you know, making sure that defensively you are, you know, taking guys uh, in premium spots that can run, because uh, you know enough of this, we can't, we can't be sitting here watching <laughs> right. guys yeah. out here running right. four seven and a half that can't run in space and can't cover anybody in the middle of the field. So your linebackers have to be faster, your safeties have to be faster, and your corners have to be. You have to find some dogs that can play out there and you know be dudes who can hold up. And that's easier said than done, but that's the situation. And I think it's blank slate in some ways. You get out of the contracts you can get out of. You try to come in and inspire some of the guys that are here that you're going to roll with. And then I think the move is to build it through the draft. I just don't know any other way to do it. I think if you nickel and dime it, or not nickel and dime it, but if you try to piecemeal it together in free agency, I just don't see how it's... You could probably make a couple swings here and there, but you know they've already done that in some cases and those haven't worked out. So it's probably time to restart on some of those and move on best you can. But um, I don't know. It'll be fascinating because I just there's so many ways you could do this. And if the answer is we want to try to get good quickly as quick as possible then that's another question of well, what does that mean like how quick is as quick as possible i don't know what that to me as quick as to get this team from where it is today to a playoff team how long do you think chris you would need because to me it's like we're looking at at least two years here this is not an yeah. overnight situation and yeah i would close. agree i mean i i will say though i i think a lot of this goes back i don't know that we can overstate how poorly the bob quinn approach played out and yeah, especially right. you know some of these draft picks have been like swift i think you know he looks like he's going to be a guy and, and yeah. tj hawkinson is headed to the pro bowl and you know you look austin bryant was a mid fourth round pick but i think you know not to get stuck on tavai either but that's a top 50 draft pick that you're making because matt patricia said i need this exact physical yeah, right. makeup at this exact <laughs> position go get me the guy who fits that. And they took Tavai because 
he was big and he weighed, you know, <laughs> X mm-hmm. amount and he had his arms were a certain length and th- this is what you're stuck with. So I think even just by bringing in a general manager who is a little more flexible with the parameters and bringing in a coach who's a little more imaginative with how he can use guys. And right. you know, just to circle back to where we were at the start of the start of the show, a lot of this that has gone wrong on defense this year is because for three years, Matt Patricia refused to budge from his scheme mm-hmm. and refused to budge from the things that he wanted to be playing. And so you ended up with guys just sort of, uh, you know, forced into these roles, whether they could handle them or not. And so to have someone who maybe, you know, it's kind of cliche when coaches come in and say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to put guys in the best position or whatever, you know, I'm going to play, you know, I'm going to fit the scheme to the personnel I have, but that's a real thing. If you have a coach and a GM who are willing to do that, it goes a long way towards getting you better in a hurry. Like if you can come in and sort of fit what you're doing, to what's available and to what yeah. you have, I think it makes a huge difference. And we didn't see that over the previous regime. We saw them say time and time again, we want this type of guy to play this position. I That's it, period. Mm-hmm. End of sentence. We're not going to consider anything else. And yeah. you wind up where you're at. So I think that just changing the outlook from the GM makes things vastly different with how you sort of set this up going forward, assuming that you're bringing in someone who – doesn't fall into the same holes that you know Bob Quinn fell into. Yeah, and I, I think that if you go along that route, and that's probably the fastest way to do it, like you said, is to try to morph what you're doing around what's available while inspiring some younger players and getting some fresh blood in here. And I think that a couple things break your way. Uh, you know, maybe some guys don't get hurt and stay healthy, and maybe you're not as bad as you know as you would think, but I still think either way, it's it's going to have to be significant investment in, you know, younger talent at every level. And when we talk significant, I mean, like, you know, up front, uh, this is, you know, like they don't, they don't have enough. I mean, it's, that's been the case all year. And it's, you know, we talk about these linebackers not working out, but I mean, it's, it's also the middle of the defense. It's up front. Um, it's on the edges. It's everywhere else. So it's just no easy answers here at all. Um, and a fascinating winter to come, I suppose. How much draft stuff have you gotten into, Chris? Have you gotten into any at all here in these last, last uh, couple weeks outside of quarterbacks? I don't know how much. We a little bit. Today. I mean, I've started perusing the guys that might be there in the top ten. Yeah. I will say that <laughs> because I mean, a lot of them are guys people know anyway. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it. We're we're gonna have a lot of a lot to look at here. In the and before we uh, go today, what's the scenario with uh, you know? Because there's seven right now. Uh, I think <laughs> there's some there's some way they can get to three. Is that possible? Like, is this accurate? Uh, still, yeah. I mean, they they need a lot of help from some bad teams. I mean, they need Houston, Atlanta, Cincinnati, and Philadelphia all to win this week. Oh God. Uh, okay. Well, so yeah, you know, that's four of the six <laughs> yeah, worst teams right. in football all have to win for them to get to, yeah. to three. But if you get two of those wins, you're in the top five, probably. Um, all right. Which, and even if they, you know, if they lose, uh, I think the highest they can go if they lose is eight, if their strength of schedule flip flops with the giants. So, you know, if you lose, you're still in a decent shot to sit and take a guy. Maybe you trade mm-hmm. back a few spots, add some of that capital. I mean, to be at seven and eight range gives you leaves pretty much everything on the table 
being at yeah. three puts you in a pretty interesting quarterback conversation. The problem, uh, as has tended to happen, is you win that last game and then Bro, suddenly, God, yeah, you know that this week seventeen was like when Matt Patricia was at his best for whatever reason, probably because guys were ready to were mm-hmm. excited to get out of get there. Get out of there, yeah. Uh, but if you win, now you're talking about picking like 11, 12. You're sort of getting back into that, yeah. that range where it's trouble. So, um, <laughs> But yeah, with the loss, I mean, to be top five again, uh, like you said, that's sort of the way to do it. It's got to, it's got to click, but you got to if you're going to be picking up that high you got to stack those draft picks together and that you know they kind of did that with you know Calvin Johnson Stafford Sue like right. that basically was what turned them competitive for a while until exactly. the cap sort of blew it all up um yeah, so right. it's it's got to happen that way again Hawkinson Okuda whoever's coming this year like those have got to be three of your main pieces for the next five years so. and your and your twos i would say as well like that's another thing that you know, we talk right. about Swift working out, and Swift looks like he's going to work out. But there was also a stretch there this when when they took Swift that we were just like, what? Like, what? Why are they taking Swift? Uh, what are they doing? What's happening here? Did you need Swift? Maybe you did. Maybe that works out. But like Tavai was also a second round pick. So I mean, like those are things now, uh, and your third round picks as well. Those those early premium day one, day two picks, like there just can't be misses. Like you just. Especially right now, with a situation where they only have five heading into the year, who knows how many they'll have? You know, in a couple of weeks, I guess we'll see. But just not a lot of wiggle room for you know screwing around. <laughs> not that anybody was ever screwing around, but like uh, I don't know. I just feel like some of this stuff defensively, just take the best player, man. Because I mean, right right now, <laughs> right. when we're talking yeah. defense, like there's not a guy if you look at any if you're if you wanted to go defense in this draft right away off the bat and you don't want to take a quarterback like if they're picking five to eight five to nine you're gonna get a good defensive player in there you just you know you, you just can't do something that's like what are you doing here to where it's not gonna work out so I don't know I guess we'll see it's uh been a wild ride but uh, it's almost over uh, week <laughs> 17 and then I guess I, I don't know I mean we we wrote a little bit of this tomorrow but um, I would assume that the GM clock, at least, would be inching toward you know decision time. I would think um, once this thing finally ends and you start the off season, like I would think there are we in agreement there that that, that probably needs to pick up the pace starting maybe next Monday uh, somewhere in there, uh, if not already before. Yeah, I mean, I think like Monday's when you can start doing virtual interviews with anyone you want for the GM opening. You can start doing. Uh, in-person interviews like Sala can do in-person interviews mm-hmm. anyone who's out of the playoffs can do them you could virtually interview guys with first round buys for the head coaching job so Eric Bieniemy. I mean I think this needs to be pretty rapid fire and especially if you're doing everything over zoom yeah uh, and these virtual interviews uh, at least for the head coach have I think a two-hour maximum on them so you could stack a bunch of them over yep. Monday Tuesday Wednesday and uh, cover some ground yeah I mean I think you need to have you need to have this pretty close to finalized within the next like 15 days uh, i mean i don't think that's overreaching like if you yeah, can get to in a pretty good spot even to be like okay we think we want to have this guy off a playoff team and just have it narrowed down that way like mm-hmm. uh, you got to be somewhere in the next few days here because it can't drag out uh you then you then you really put yourself in a tough spot with the off season so i think we're going to see a lot of movement here in the next yeah week to 10 days and you know, you just sort of hope that the people the lines have in place uh, 
are ready for. Yeah, it's <laughs> going it, to get. I guess it's, it's going to get. Uh, I think it's going to get hairy here uh, for people one way or the other because a lot of stuff is going to change. It was weird a little bit yesterday, um, and I guess this is just part of the NFL. But you're talking. We're talking to some of these guys on Zoom, and the questions are: Well, we don't know when we're going to talk to you next, or if you're going to be here. So I guess. I mean, we'll Corey, Corey Unlin sounded like he's got his bags packed oh, and yeah. is expecting to be fired uh, after the game on Sunday, which. I yeah, mean, well, probably is going to happen. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. It's a little uh, surreal to listen to uh, these guys who are sort of the holdovers. You know, yeah. Bevel doesn't know where he's going to be, and then he sort of talked about that too. Like this is he's he's told the players, you know, this is an audition, but he's told he said he told the coaches that too. Like, yeah, you know, put some good stuff on tape with your groups because who knows where we're going to be. And Undland even said, right, he was like, this has not been good enough for the coaches on this staff, which is like somebody yeah. was like, does that mean <laughs> that you think that hasn't been good enough in terms of your future here? And he was like, well, guys, that's typically how it works. Yeah. So, yeah. like, I mean, that'll be interesting too, right, to see, like, do we wake up on Monday and see, you know, Rod Wood, Chris Spielman have let go of all the staff or some of the staff? I mean, that'll be... Something to watch too, I guess, as, as this thing sort of unfolds. Because they don't, you know, they don't have anybody. Or maybe they wait. I don't know. Maybe that's something they just wait and see, uh, you know, until they get a new coach. I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah. There's a lot of waiting and seeing. A lot of waiting. A lot of waiting and seeing. <laughs> so. But there's been a lot of waiting for a lot of you uh, to get through this year. So we'll be around, though. Chris, uh, what do you say? We've still got uh, quite a bit to talk about, I'm sure, in these next couple of weeks. So we'll probably maybe make this a. Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I think we could probably make, keep this a weekly thing for at least a while uh, until things settle down as I think there'll be enough to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that makes sense. We can stay the weekly format for yeah. everyone out there and then uh, probably transition into a little more uh, reactive to yeah. the news as we yeah. get further into the off season. But we'll certainly, certainly, as we've said, we've got a ton. I mean, if they're hiring a coach and a GM yeah, and right. they're going to have to get busy in free agency, they're going to be picking top 10 if they lose. So that these next four months are going to shape the franchise for their, uh, the foreseeable future here. So I, I, yes. I figure we can bang out a 45 minutes per week. We will walk through the chaos together, folks, all of us uh, <laughs> to see what the hell is about to happen is a lot will happen. If you don't already have a subscription to the athletic, be sure to check out any of our, I don't know if we have any deals going on right now. I don't, I'm sure we have some somewhere, but uh, if we don't, it's still not that bad. You can just get it for uh, about the price of price of a coffee cup a day. Uh, so be sure to check Chris and I out. All of our stuff online will be here throughout the next uh, several months doing this, <laughs> doing the same thing as plenty is, is surely going to unfold after Sunday's game. But also, Chris, I want to take a minute here. This is the last game of, uh, I guess, the last game week podcast of the year. This is the first year we did the podcast. So I do want to extend a thank you to everyone who has listened, subscribed, reviewed, told a friend. Uh, the response has been awesome. Uh, if there's any suggestions or uh, wish lists or anything else you guys have or would like us to attack in the offseason here or anything else going forward be sure to let us know but i did want to take some time here today i know i'm sure chris you want to do the same to uh to yeah. thank everyone because it's been a cool cool to see the response uh from folks we started the podcast in a weird year and um it's been uh neat to see it grow yeah and uh, as i mentioned at one of our shows you know this happened because people kept asking for it to happen so yeah. we certainly appreciate that i do want to thank uh kent garrison real mm-hmm. quick too who uh yep pulls these together in a hurry every single week, even though he's editing like 45 podcasts yeah. <laughs> for us. So I uh, definitely want to give him uh, just a quick little shout out and say thanks to him as well for um, he, he helped us get the ball rolling and he's helped us get these shows up every week. So definitely appreciate his help. 
Perfect. That'll work. So that'll do it for this week. Lions, Vikings on Sunday for the love of God. The end of the season finally here. And then next week when we talk again, everything will probably be different. So in the meantime, take care of each other. For Chris, I'm Nick. We'll talk to you later. Bye.